Well, you can talk about film. Gotta be quicker than this. You can talk about film with a philosopher's zeal or measure them all by box office appeal, but for once in your life... Be real! Welcome one and all to a mini episode of Be Real, Guys. I am Chance Solon Pfeiffer. And I'm Noah Ballard. And we are partners in crime here on this podcast. Occasionally, we want to review a topical movie in short order and not do our full slate of three movies. And tonight, that uh, that movie is Room. Yeah, we were inspired by uh, Brie Larson winning that Oscar um, a week ago when we recorded this. Yeah, a runaway win, it appeared, from start to finish. Um, and that's something I want to get into, uh, but we can, we'll get there in a second. Indeed, we will. Uh, so, yep, this came out just last year, directed by Lenny Abrahamson, um, Brie Larson, uh, Jacob Tremblay, and Joan Allen, William H. Macy. It's uh, based on the Emma Donahue book that came out in, what, like 2012, 2011? Yeah, somewhere in there, 2010. I guess I'll synopsize it in the way that the movie was marketed, even though the adaptation is going to be crucial to what we talk about, I think. Right. Um, so, in the way that this movie was marketed... You know that uh, Brie Larson, a mother, and Jacob Tremblay, her son, have been living for, uh, well, she's been living there for seven years in, basically, in a tiny room, the captive of a a kidnapper and uh, a rapist, and she just exists in this space with her son and well, I guess they break out. You've got to know that. Um, of the titular room. Of the titular room. And it's really a movie that goes deep in zooming in on their relationship and his development as a child and her motivations as uh, a mother, but also like an adult person who would like to see the world again. And it's incredibly moving and difficult. So let's get into it. Truck. Wiggle out. Jump. Run, somebody. I'm scared. I know. I'm going to be there in your head talking to you the whole time. I think we need to start with the source material. I don't know if you've read the book. I have. Um, No, it was actually the second book I reviewed in the Daily Nebraskan column, No Column for Old Books. Oh, that's great. And I raved about it. So, from your recollection of it, and mine is pretty old as well. Yes. Um... In my recollection, most of the book took place in the titular room. Absolutely, it did. And the book is also narrated first person from Jack, the boy's perspective. Right, and that's the other thing that I think makes this uh, this book very difficult to adapt, even though it was adapted by the writer herself, mm-hmm. um, is the fact that, A, most of it takes place in the room, you don't want to have a whole movie set in a room, like a room that's 10 by 10. Like it works in literature, but it doesn't really work on screen. So you need to have them get out and then have something else sort of happen. Yep. But in that, you, you sort of realize that what made the book great was the voice, which is this five-year-old child. And you figure out as an adult reading the book, like how he's processing his captivity and then his getting out of captivity. But it's more interesting seeing how he's grown up in captivity 
through this voice and through this lens than it is through a movie lens, I would say, seeing him being there and seeing him out, even though the camera work is sort of, it's as good as it can be. That's a great point. I totally agree with all of that. I would go so far as to say that, yeah, the movie just has a crucial adaptational problem in the sense that, well, I mean, here's another big thing. The marketing of the book it was very kind of like unclear why they were in the room. I believed it was maybe teased on like the last like 10% of the inside book jacket synopsis. Yeah. But you can't do that with a movie. And so the problem is basically that the, 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 what I would consider the major spoiler of the book is part of the trailer marketing of the movie. And so in just a watch from a watchability standpoint, like we've, we've joked all weekend about like kind of being like, all right, okay, I'm going to sit down and watch a room today. You know, the twist. So all you know is that it's going to be difficult as hell. And as you alluded to, what is essentially the denouement of the book becomes half or more than half of the movie. And there you have another problem of perspective. Right. And I think the other problem with the book and like creating that turn is the fact that in the book for the first few pages, you believe that like this boy is just like living with his stay at home mom. Yeah. Yeah. While the escape and they're like reuniting is like incredibly moving. Like the gravity of that. They really, and literally sent that, uh, turn the explosions in the sky up to 11 and then just (laughs) let the scene play. That climactic moment, like, you have an hour after that of, like, this movie yeah. about, like, adapting back to a world. And so you have, a, you have a problem there, too. And I think it affects it affects Brie Larson and it affects that character and the way she acts. Because when you get into that world, we, don't, we also don't leave Jack's POV uh, once they're living at her parents' house again. Right. So all of... The empathy that you want to have with Brie Larson's character and the understanding that you want to have of her, the outbursts, none of it seems quite right because you don't see it develop the way that you want to. Like, you never see a frank and like revealing conversation between daughter and parents. You kind of only see blow ups that come out of like misplaced, way too soon attempts at normalcy. My issue with the movie is that Brie Larson is not the protagonist. Right. If anything, and the movie acknowledges this, if anything, she's the antagonist. Mm. She, it's the story of the, of the boy, Jack. He is the lead person and she's sort of his foil. I mean, even the interviewer asks her afterwards, like, do you think you shouldn't have like gotten him out of there and given him up? Like you could have given him freedom. Yeah. And in fact, she has cursed him to this life of never being normal. I do think their relationship yields some very like thought-provoking moments, though. Because I think in that Jack is the protagonist, some of the best moments of this movie relate to sort of your, or I guess I'll just say my, like late-blooming under, like understanding of like child psychology and development, because I've never watched sure. a child grow up. But you see you see Brie Larson kind of realize that she must reverse course in the room in not only to get them out 
but for Jack, like, in a, I respect what you said just there, but, like, she realizes at a certain point that if he thinks that the whole world is magic, that, like, he he just, he won't be a human being. And so it's it's hard, but also beautiful to watch her sort of, like, reverse course and right. tell him a different story of the world. And Jack's line where he screams, I want a different story, is a really is a thought-provoking moment, I think, when you think about, like, parents are in charge of telling their children a story, whether social, religious, whatever. It's almost like a sequel thematically to a movie like Life is Beautiful, where uh, a father, like, makes up this story about what's happening during the Holocaust so he doesn't get scared. Mm -hmm. But then this movie then begs the question, so if you've given your children or child this illusion to get them through this trauma, how do you then bring them back? Right. I don't know. It just, it didn't seem, it didn't land for me. I think when, when Jack, like, when Jack begins talking again in the voiceover, it's a little strange. Like, I do think that, I think you made a good point about uh, Lenny Abrams' abrahamson's camera and like there he does a really good job of like shooting from the perspective as though there like is another child in the room to create right to create some closeness and some like incredible intimacy but i think there's another version of this movie where i think if you really want to commit to his point of view and the feeling that everything about this new world is so alien, you need to shoot it in like an experimental way, like Beasts of the Southern right. Wild style way. Yes. Or did you ever see um, Diving Bell and the Butterfly? No. So the whole movie is set basically, I mean, there's a, there is a bit of a prologue, but the whole movie is set from the POV of this guy who's had a stroke and can, can only communicate by blinking. Mm. And you are his eye. And, like, the camera blinks and stuff, and it's telling his story based on his memoir. Yeah. Uh, but, like, that was, and that's Janice Kaminsky uh, who directed that. Uh, it was Steven Spielberg's longtime cinematographer. Hmm. But, I mean, if they had done it in a fashion like that, then they really could have been voicier on the, on the screen. Sure. And I think that this, what was appealing about the book was its voiciness, like, was the gimmick of, it was from this little boy, you know, just in the same way as like the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime, like captures people because, oh, here's this autistic voice that's like explaining his view of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, his view of the world was more interesting than the world or the story itself in this. Yeah. I so I, in a way, I think this movie, I think it shot itself in the foot in terms of trying to be as artistic as the book the kind of the moment it decided it wanted to be commercial fair because right like you can't you can't do the cinematic version of the book and have it be commercial fair well they i mean i think they decided pretty early on in the production that it was going to be what it was it was going to be an oscar performance vehicle yep and that was going to be the artistic endeavor of the enterprise so the main question then, Noah, is, is it a quality enough vehicle to be good, bad, which is my rating. I think it is certainly not a watchable movie or something that I would uh, seek out watching again anytime in the near future. Um, but is it quality enough to be good, bad for you? It really, like, I went in, as you said, with like this, oh, I have to watch Room for the podcast today. And I have to say, like, it didn't really convince me okay. it didn't 
I, I never got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm glad I watched this. So I'm going to have to give it a, I think Brie Larson's performance is great. I think Jacob Tremblay should have been nominated too. I think he gives a great uh, child performance um, in this. And Joan Allen was good in it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no disrespect to their performances. I just think inherently if the book had not existed and I hadn't read the book and loved it, I think I wouldn't have understood this movie. And as such, I think it's, it's a, a soft, bad, bad. Thanks for watching this, though. Um, we, we all Thank you for forcing me to do so. <laughs> You're very welcome. Uh, thanks, everyone. Follow us on Twitter at Be Real Guys. Listen on SoundCloud and iTunes. We will talk to you again later this week with a full episode. Bye-bye. You're going to love it. What? The world. 